Well, on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'll be joined by J.D. Young from Locked On Sharks in a getting to know you special episode as we delve into how the Sharks are looking this offseason and how they compare to the Anaheim Ducks. We'll talk about some of their biggest moves. We'll talk about some other stuff as I present J.D. and J.D. on today's episode of Locked On Anaheim Ducks. Let's hit it. Your Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's hot, it's humid, and just like the weather, the off-season talk is hot. Hi, everyone. I'm J.D. Hernandez, host of Locked On Ducks, part of TLOPN. And don't forget, this podcast is free and available across all platforms. And thanks for making this your first listen, and thanks for making Locked On Sharks your second listen, because I have here the other JD, JD North, or as I call him, other JD, or <laughs> as as I sometimes say jokingly, the not so handsome JD. But I'm only kidding about that. It is JD Young from the the hairier JD. Can we yes. can we say that? <laughs> what adjective can I use? JD Young from Locked On Sharks. Uh, JD, what adjective do you want to go with today? Uh, the handsome one, of course. Oh, God. <laughs> you can't say that here. It's my pod. <laughs> Tr- try again. <laughs> do we... JD North is is, J- is pretty funny, but yeah. JD fine. North. Yep. Well, the Sharks have had an interesting offseason, and it's getting to know the enemies. And... Although I don't think of the Sharks as like a huge enemy. I think the Kings are the biggest rivals and Golden Knights are the enemy. But, you know, Sharks are considered an enemy. Yeah, an enemy. So let's let's talk about the Sharks a little bit. Talk about their offseason. Because they've, they've had a pretty interesting offseason, as you said. They put a whole offseason into three weeks. <laughs> they did. It, it was fast. It was furious. Let's talk about that offseason. What was the biggest move? Um, the all of them. So let's the the whole let's start <laughs> at the beginning. So, of course, Doug Wilson, who was the general manager for 19 years, um, he stepped away during the uh, end of last season due to health reasons. Uh, wasn't there the entire season? And then he officially stepped down um, in April last year. So that gave the Sharks looking for a new GM for the first time in 20 years. Right, that, that's a very yeah. long time to be you know searching for uh, with having the same GM. So. Um, they very long extensive search uh, where July 5th, they finally hired Mike Greer, whose brother Chris Greer runs the Dolphins, um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but uh, before that, they also had Bob Bugner, who was the head coach. Um, they retained him until July 1st, right before they hired uh, Mike Greer. So they let him go and his staff go really, really late into the offseason. Um, so Mike Greer was hired, then the draft, then free agency, and then they hired uh, David Quinn, who was the Rangers head coach uh, a couple years ago. Um, who they uh, Mike Greer and in, in, uh, David Quinn are old buddies from college. So, yes, it was it was a very massive offseason for the Sharks. Uh, where moving on from a lot of core front office people. You know, this didn't even, not even only the Sharks, even the Barracuda, they kind of cleaned yeah. house in the Barracuda. Um, you know, they, all new coaches, like everything in the, in the Cuda. Um, it's, it's been a, a massive 
transitional offseason for the, the Sharks organization this year. Yeah, speaking of the Barracuda, um, I was a little bit surprised. I don't know if you were that Roy Summer stepped down from his position in San Jose, and now he's a San Diego Goals head coach. I think it was a little weird, don't you think? Uh, yeah, he did not see it coming. I'm gonna like from people I've talked to, um, he was planning on being back, especially for the Cuda, where they're opening up their brand new arena. You know, he's he's a couple wins away from like. I think like 700 or something like that, like a huge yeah. milestone, um, you know, and a lot of people, you know, are expecting him to be back, especially because he's been with the Sharks organization for so, so long. But mm-hmm. um, they they hired John McCarthy, who I talked to earlier this summer. Go check out that interview. Very nice uh, interview of mine. I'm going to plug. But uh, they hired him, who had been their developmental coach. They hired a bunch of new coaches from the WHL um, to come in and be his new assistant coaches, you know, and really trying to kind of reinvigorate this Sharks development, especially now that they're starting to see some of the fruits of their drafts, for the, the 2020 draft, which is uh, probably going to be their, their best draft class that they've had in a while, starting to kind yeah. of infiltrate the, the organization now. So. Yeah, I, I see Roy Summer making a difference for the goals. And I know that they play in San Jose fairly early in the season. I think it's uh, like November, if I remember correctly. That's really, yeah, it's pretty early. Yeah, so. it, yeah it's, it's actually, no, I take it back. October 26th. Oh, there you go. Even, yes. So, so it is early in the season. And I was trying to find the wins total for Roy Summer. And it's a little, a little harder to find right now. I'll admit that. But he could be having that milestone victory. Hmm. I'll just put it out there. Wouldn't it be neat if he got that victory in San Jose? It would, it would make sense (laughs) just how everything's gone. So yeah, just just for the sake of argument. And by the way, I actually did find it. Uh, He's the all time leader in wins. Actually, he passed it. He's at eight Oh eight right now, man. So he just passed 800 victories. Whew, boy, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, let's keep going with this offseason and talk about grading the offseason. You talked about new coaching staffs up and down. How would you grade this offseason? Yeah, I mean, in even if you look at what the Sharks did, not just with their front office, but the actual moves they made. So they traded Brent Burns, who had been a stalwart for the Sharks for a very long time. You could argue he's their best defenseman ever. He's up there. You know, you, you could definitely argue uh, if you combine his longevity and, you know, he actually won a Norris with the, with the Sharks. Been a staple with the, the Sharks organization, right? Uh, they yeah. traded him to Carolina for third round pick and, uh, you know, uh, Steven Lorenz and then a goalie uh, prospect. And, you know, they, Mike Greer's plan this year was to try to get some more kind of NHL caliber players to kind of fill out their bottom line. They've had a lot of times where they've been asking, you know, younger guys or AHL guys to, to fill out these roles because they've had so much of their cap space kind of tied up in big contracts. You know, Eric Carlson's, Brent Burns, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic. You know, all these guys who make a ton of money, right? Um, too much so money. Too, too much. much. Yes, too much money. Um, but so you're know, trying to fill out the fringe roster spots with some of these guys who maybe not quite ready for these roles type of situations. So uh, Mike, you know, he, he traded away Brent Burns and he used that money to try to kind of solidify that bottom six there with more just kind of 
NHL caliber players. So, you know, he signed Oscar Lindbaum, who looked like he was going to be a pretty capable player until his cancer diagnosis. You know, he's come back and he, he's talked about before where he just hasn't quite gotten his strength yet. So um, they traded for Luke Kunin at the draft from the Preds, who I'm not, <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of that move. You know, they, they signed some kind of depth guys like uh, Matt Benning on defense and, you know, just some of these guys, uh, Nico Sturm uh, for some of these guys are just played NHL games and know what they're doing out there. So, yeah, but overall, um, I, I would give the off season a C. <laughs> That's that's fair. Yes. Given the expectations of the Sharks, that's probably where I had that as well, is being a C. You see, J.D.? I do see, J.D. We'll have more with J.D. Young after this brief word from Bet Online, which is the one place that has you covered and the one place that we trust. And folks, the NBA season is right around the corner, and the NHL season starts in about a month. So if we want to check out all the future bets, including who's going to win the Hart Trophy and who's going to possibly win the Cup and what are the points projections for all the teams in the National Hockey League, you could find out at Bet Online using either your mobile device or your laptop or wherever you can get Bet Online. So once again, Bet Online is the official online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And please gamble responsibly. Jamie, what's the biggest question heading into training camp, JD? My biggest question is, is how are all these pieces going to kind of fit together? So they actually have too many NHL contracts right now, at least when it comes to the Fords. Uh, they have, I think it's like, let me pull it up right now, 15 uh sorry 14 forwards who are under an nhl contract um and that doesn't include thomas bordolo right now and only uh thomas bordolo and william Eklund. um so yes i'm sorry Uh, yes so they (laughs) they have a lot of guys but i don't think they have a lot of guys who are kind of difference makers outside of Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer when it comes to the forwards. They just have a lot of guys. And so my I think the biggest question is going to be how do all how does this shake out? Because they, you know, I, I think William Eklund's going to make the team out of camp. He made the team last year. Bordolo played really well oh. in his eight games last year. Um, had a pretty nice summer at Well Juniors and playing for Team USA. Yeah. And I, I think I just think with the numbers game where he, he's probably going to start with a CUDA at some point, but they just, like I said, you have like a Nick Benino and Nico Sturm and Steven Lorenz and Noah Gregor and Matt Nieto, like all these guys and Luke Kuhn and like all these guys are just like kind of guys and none of them, I, it just feels like it's a big log jam at, at the forward department right now. It, it really is. And I, I look at the Sharks roster right now, the way it's constructed, I, I don't see a world where they're going to score a ton of goals. I mean, they just don't have the speed. They didn't score goals last year. They're not going to do it again this year. Yeah, they don't have the speed. I mean, yeah, they could be, they could be, uh, can I say it? They could be what the Ducks were recently 
where they just don't score a lot of goals and could have an abysmal power. Well, the power play wasn't bad for Sharks last season. You know, it was, it was kind of mediocre. It, so the penalty kill was very good. They were the second pen- in the league in penalty kill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the power play is is very stale and stagnant, and it it's always been this kind of dueling banjos thing with with Burns and Carlson. Yeah, you know what? Years. I mean, the power play needs fiber. Yeah. <laughs> if you it know needs, what I mean. Yes, it, it needs to. So I think that'll be clear itself up. Um, you know, with Eric Carlson kind of being the guy now with Brent Burns out of, out of town. Um, and then I think yeah. the other kind of big question <laughs> is uh, Ryan Merkley for the Sharks Ooh. is he, you see flashes of it of like, oh, wow, the, this guy can be special. And then on the same shift, you're like, dude, what are you doing type of, of, of situation? So can he be an any everyday NHL player this year and kind of help solidify that right side where after Carlson it's kind of a bunch of like you have Matt Benning who's a perfectly cromulent third line defenseman and then there's really not much else on the right side so I I think it's a those those are kind of my big questions going into the training camp of of who's going to win that second um second art you know right hand defenseman spot and then how are all the forwards just going to shake out that that's a that's a fair question and talking about a couple of the guys that you mentioned you know, former Barracudas player, former Barracuda players. I I know what I'm saying. <laughs> and the one that always intrigued me, and you you kind of brought it up. Um, you know, um, who was it that Magna looks interesting as well? But a, another name, Bordalo could be interesting. I like him a lot. Bordalo is very good. Like he's he's really good. Uh, I think he's going to eventually be their their two C at some point. I but like I said, I think they're the Sharks definitely are more of one of those teams where they like to kind of slow cook their their rookies and or their younger yeah. players. Mike Greer has talked about where he wants these guys to be when they make the NHL like that they have their NHL ready and wants to really kind of use the Barracuda as a developmental league. Um, yeah, and he's still so, young. He's still yeah. young. Yeah, he's still young. So, but he looked he looked really great last year in, in the eight games that he got to play at the end of the season. Um, I think he had five assists during that time. You know, really kind of brought energy to a third line of, of Rudolph Balser's, uh, Benino or uh, Benino, uh, Rudolph Balser's, Noah Gregor, and Bortolo. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, he he perfectly embiggened his role <laughs> in San with the Barracuda. Yeah. That is. Yeah, he, he kind of – yeah, he, he feels like he could be that guy. He's good. Yeah, he is. I mean, you know, watching him the one game that I saw up close, yeah, he's he's something else. How about – speaking of strong players, let's talk about the strengths for the Sharks and the weaknesses. What's the biggest strength and the biggest weakness? So I think the biggest strength, I think their their penalty kill is still going to be their biggest strength. Um, I know it's a whole new coaching staff, um, but they hired Ryan Warsawski, who was the Chicago Wolves head coach, who's going to come in and run the defense and run the uh, penalty kill as well. Yeah, and a um, former colleague is pissed about it. <laughs> yes. Uh, he the, the Sharks just love raiding the, the Wolves head coaches, but um, I think he's going to come in and continue to have a very aggressive penalty kill. You know, I, you have Logan Torres, who's a great penalty killer. You've got uh, Hurdle, who's a great penalty killer. Nick Benito, 
a great penalty killer. Lukunin could play the penalty kill. Like you have a lot of guys who can play the penalty kill. Mario Ferraro um, is, you know, is, is going to be kind of the leader on the defense when it comes to that. It's going to be weird not seeing Brent Burns back there, but I, I still yeah. think their system uh, of being hyper aggressive on the penalty kill and having that power kill mentality is, is going to be their big strength this year. Um, as for weakness, they're, they're everything just else. Goals. Yeah, they're not going to be able to score goals. Um, if if Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer aren't scoring, then I, I just I don't see it. Then um, good luck. Yeah, I, I could see Couture maybe having a little bit of a bounce back this year. He's he got stuck with some awful line mates, or they they just kind of find they just have enough guys to make a, a quality second line. Um, for him, so we'll see. I think William Eklund's probably going to be starting on the second line with Couture, and then it'll probably be your kind of wing de jour on the third. But <laughs> the third uh, on the on the there, you know, whoever kind of David Quinn is a likes that night. But the third and fourth lines are, are just going to be a bunch of NHL guys who do NHL things. But I don't see much upside from so the third and fourth line. They're just guys. They're just a bunch of guys, and it's. That's my thing. It's like a lot of people were kind of upset with like, you know, maybe not like they got rid of Rudolph Balsers. They didn't keep Jonathan Dahlin who, you know, those guys, they did have their ups and downs, but at least you saw like an upside with them. And I just feel like the Sharks, they don't have a lot of guys where you can see like, you can point to a guy and be like, okay, I can see that guy breaking out. You know, I could see this guy being, you know, going for maybe like a uh, seven goals to like 20 goals or like, something like that. And there's just not a lot of guys on the team right now of where that could happen. Mm. So instead of talking about best worst case scenario, cause I, I feel like the sharks are going to be last place. Oh, the uh, best case scenario is they just totally bought them out and they win the lottery. That yeah. is the best case scenario. And the worst case scenario is exact is what we've had the last couple of years of like, we're trying to make the playoffs. We're trying to make the playoffs. And then you're just that creamy middle, like 10 through 15. Gross. It's the, it's the worst. So the, yes, like I, if you get in the playoffs, that's cool. You, yes, I know anything can happen, but you're going to play either Edmonton or Colorado in the first round, and you're going to get shellacked by these two juggernaut, either one of these juggernaut teams. So, and yes, I know it's crazy stuff happens all the time, but is Capo Kakadin going to steal an entire series from <laughs> maybe? I'm thinking <laughs> of a number between one and no on that one. Yeah, like could he steal a game or two? Maybe. Cool. Um, you know, you're getting outshot like fifty to, to twenty and you steal the game, you know, two to one because your power play scores and Kapokakin goes insane. But it's it's just not a formula for sustained success. So yeah. the best case scenario for the Sharks is that they're one of the three to five worst teams and they get some luck on the lottery. So. Let, let's talk about Wild card. Who's the biggest wild card for the Sharks this season? It's got to be William Eklund. Um, he played his nine games last year, and they sent him back to Sweden, and he didn't have the season that you'd want over in Sweden. He got put on the third line. The, the Jugarden team was an absolute tire fire <laughs> of, a, of a team where they coaching and GM kind of all got cleaned house. They got relegated to the Hockey Osvenskan League. So, but after I talked to him this summer, you can go check out that interview as well. Um, he is ready to come in and kind of 
prove why a lot of people thought he was the best player in that 2021 draft, including, you know, better than Mason McTavish, potentially. So, um, yes, a lot of people thought he was the best player in the draft. Um, What are you talking about? I, I, I don't see him stopping a goal winning a gold medal for his country <laughs> come on he was in the weight room baby getting put on that <laughs> so uh yeah he actually he was going to play world juniors he decided yeah. that he wanted to skip world juniors so that way he could uh focus let on mctavish the have the spotlights yeah let McTav- he was like i want mctavish to have a spotlight no he wanted to continue to work on uh, getting his body ready for the nhl he saw what it takes to play you know in in the nhl and he's ready to come in and just show why he can be so special and put his name into the hat with the Zegerses, the McTavishes, the Byfelds in the Pacific division, you know, the Wrights and the Beneers and put his hat in the, in the Pacific division of these exciting young players uh, there. So if he comes in and has a potential Calder worthy season, um, that's the biggest wild card. Oh, 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 buddy. Oh, JD. Look, I'm going to come out and say this right now in September. He could be a contender for the Calder, but I'm Team McTavish winning the Calder all the way. <laughs> Just saying. Mm. Look at the summer McTavish has had. Look look at the body yeah, of work had, he's had. Yeah, he's had a good summer. Yeah. But you know who's been in quietly in the weight room? Just working hard. Oh, uh, are, are you saying this is like a Rocky Four situation? Oh, totally. Where- <laughs> He's he's been in the mountains of Sweden. Uh, <laughs> yes, I I can't confirm. He's been in the mountains of Sweden. He's been working out. He's been getting his ready body ready. He is he is ready to go. So, so he could be the Rocky in the situation. I I don't mm-hmm. want to call McTavish the Russian <laughs> on this one. I don't want to do that. Let me take that part back. <laughs> I I I mean that in the sense that. McTavish has been more in the public eye and everyone has been watching all his work and seeing what he's done on several levels. So he's been more public. He's probably yes. the favorite to win the Calder among the favorites. Uh, among the I don't favorites. know. I actually, if I, yeah, I think Seattle's got a couple guys up there. Yeah. That have a, some, uh, some, some, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to watch what I, I say here because Eklund has been stealth in his training. Oh God, I, I loathe myself for that joke. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. I guess. <laughs> I'm gonna have fun with this question. Who's the most intriguing young player, and why is it Thomas Bordalo? <laughs> So Bordelow is fun, and I think Bordelow, I like I said, I think he's going to start his season in the Barracuda, but I think he's going to be one of those like Christmas call-up guys who come up and then he never goes back down type of, of, of players. Yep. So um, Bordelow was you know drafted in the, the 2020 uh, draft class. He was like a second-round pick for the Sharks. And you know, after playing at Michigan for two years, uh, came over. They they gave him the, the the old PTO thing where he play on the the Barracuda for without eating his contract and he played a whopping three games and they were like yeah. buddy you got to come play with the Sharks now so um, like I said he did not look out of place last year playing with the Sharks was brought a lot of energy a lot of creativity on the ice and I I think for him you know he, he definitely still tries to do a little bit too much sometimes yeah. but. 
I'd rather have a guy like that where you try to rein it in instead of trying to pull it out type of situation. And I think for him, finding the right line mates is going to be important. But he's not the biggest guy, but just when he's on the ice, some of the stuff that he does and some of the passes and his vision and his creativity, it's it's Ooh. really – it's yeah, it's really, really great to see. And like I said, I think with, with a guy like Logan Couture, if, where if you have Bordolo who is – all intensive persons playing your two C role, kind of that offensive orient. And then Logan Couture can play your three C kind of defensive oriented, um, but still be able to provide offense. I think that's where they would want to try to utilize and where you're, you're sheltering Bordelow as best you can. And then having a guy like Couture who's been there and done it and done a bit, you know, he can kind of take that, those kind of heavier minutes, uh, you know, so. Yeah, but why do I feel like Bordalo could just come in like gangbusters, like I said, in December and become one of those guys that comes doesn't come out of nowhere, but he can come in and say, you know what, like I can contribute right away. And I, I liken his playmaking ability to some, like he could be an elite playmaker in this league. You could see it in his body of work in general. So I, I like him a lot. So that's why I asked in that tone, like, yes, why yes. is it Bordalo? Yeah, no, I, I, like I said, I think having the having someone who can shoot with him is going to be important. And that's the mm-hmm. problem is the Sharks don't have a, a, a lot of kind of I, the, the, a certified sniper, you know. They have some, you know, like Daniel Gushin is going to be playing on the Barracuda. But even on the Sharks team, like um, Timo is more of a, of a volume shooter. You know, Kevin LeBanc, who missed most of last year with, yeah. with an injury, like he – sometimes can be but he feels like more of a power play specialist at this point and we don't know how he's going to be coming back from his injury maybe but barbara yeah, novel surprise us <laughs> yeah like barabanov who barabanov has kind of been like the, the the glue guy on the hurdle meyer line and it's just they just don't have a lot of which goes back to the original point they just don't have a lot of ways to score goals unless they're it's timo meyer and tomas hurdle doing stuff so yeah, um, but I mean, he like I said last year, you know, Rudolph Balsers and Noah Gregor, uh, Noah Gregor Gobert, but they they just don't have a lot of guys. You know, he made that line fun, but they just don't have a lot of guys who can finish. Ooh, say it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let Let's finish off asking where you. I mean, hmm, this isn't even really a question. Because I know what the answer is going to be. We know what it's going to be. Where do the Sharks finish in the Pacific, and why is it dead last? <laughs> because of the worst team in the Pacific. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I know they, they added some NHL caliber players, but I just feel like the ceiling of this team is so capped right now where yeah. they, they, they just don't have guys where you can – or who can score on a, on a regular basis. And they don't have breakout caliber players right now. Like, they don't have play guy Like, other than Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle, you're, and the big thing, we haven't really talked about Timo Meyer. he's going into a contract here this year. And all the hullabaloo that we had dealt with with Hurdle last year of, is he going to resign? Are they going to trade him? We get to do that all over again this year with Timo Meyer, And, yep. you know, he's, he's going to be expecting at least, you know, I would probably start at – that contract's probably going to start at eight years, $9 million at some yeah. point. Looking at the Sharks' cap space. They can't afford it. Little, they can't afford it, right, at this point. So, 
but I mean, Timo Meyer is only twenty, you know, twenty five, twenty six years old. He's still yeah. he's entering his prime right now. Like this is the best Timo Meyer we're going to be getting, and he's probably still going to be good for the next four to five years. So even if you sign him to an eight year deal, you're probably still getting at least half of that contract in his prime. But how so do you move those other contracts? I mean, you got those albatross contracts in Vlasic and Carlson. Yeah, and I think Vlasic. I think this is Vlasic's last year in San Jose. I think he's going to get bought out next summer, um, and then. But, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's tough, right? Because it, it, and then it all, if Timo Mar just doesn't want to be here anymore, that's, that's a whole nother question. So, yeah. you know, so they're, you're going to have to deal with this Timo Meyer question hanging over the, se- the team all season. Is, can Logan Tor, you know, we're starting to see kind of things start to slip a little bit with here and there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and again, you, you've got Nick Benino, who's, nah. Luke Kunin, eh. you know, yeah. Oscar Lindblom. Okay. Maybe, you know, inspiring, if nothing else, inspiring, if nothing else, you know, okay. Like it's just going up and down the forward roster. It's, it's Matt Nieto. Cool. Yeah. You know, there's just not a lot of guys to get super excited about. And yeah, so it's, they're going to be lasted. And it's, I, Unless Eric Carlson be, be, wins the Norris this year, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you know William Eklund wins the Calder, and then if if Capo Kakinen can just steal games night in and night out, it's it's going to be a, a long year for San Jose. I'm going to go off the board with these last two questions because this is kind of really off the board. So I've been pointing yep. to this jersey. What is your favorite Sharks jersey? Uh, I like the the like the 25th and the 30th anniversary heritage jerseys. Those are those are my all time. Those are my favorite. So so, so the OG inspired ones. Yes, is is still at least in the top three. Um, it's up there. It's in my top five. So ah, yeah. I do have I do have that exact same Stealth Carlson jersey. So oh, the same yes. one I have here. Mm-hmm. It's a nice jersey. Like you got it's a very nice jersey. Yes, uh, the details in the sleeves, especially. And this one, I mean, I hate to end on a maudlin note, but maybe like reminiscent. The AHL has changed a little bit in the division. You had your northern rivals now move to Calgary. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you ever made it out to Stockton, did you? I did not, no. You did not. That's kind of where I was going to go. Like, if you've been out there, what are you going to miss about it? But since you never made it out there, that kind of goes into my last question. The Barracuda have a new shiny arena. It's very nice. You got to tour it. I did. What can fans expect when they see a Barracuda game at their new digs? Yeah, I mean, they, they've done a lot with this arena. Um, one of the coolest features is behind. Um, so it'll be behind the away teams where the away team will play twice. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a bar literally right behind the goal with yes. like there's like a little kind of tape or like a, a long kind of bench or whatever with some, with some stools and stuff. Um, but that's it. Like the goal light is literally right there. Like you could be drinking, like put your drink on the goal light type of situation. Oh um, yeah. Bar, but yeah, the arena is really nice. They, they, the, not a, you know, the sight lines are amazing there. It's, they've, it's so nice what, what they did with that place. And, you know, for the for the sharks not having to share the SAP Center, 
with the Sharks and the Barracuda. One bad thing is they don't have any double headers this year, like where you can go to a CUDA game in the morning, like in the early afternoon and go see a Sharks game in that night. They didn't do that this year, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, Tech, uh, Tech CU Arena is, is it's really nice. I, I'm super excited to go to some Barracuda games this year. So, I mean, one thing I won't miss, I won't miss having Vertigo from going up to the rafters of SAP Center. Do the do the press at least get better seats this year? <laughs> yes, the press. I I got to see the tour. At, yeah, they're basically like on the second level. Um, oh, thank so, God! Yeah, it's it's basically like so you have like the bottom bowl and the second level is like all the suites and then like the press is on and like uh, in one of the corner like they're they're kind of in the corner above the bar area too. So, um, Ooh. yeah, it, it's it's really nice and so. Yeah, so the I, press box is a little small, but uh, I mean, it's 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 really nice though. So I won't have to climb a million stairs to get to the rafters. No, that yeah, that the SAP press box is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we've both been up there. We'll, we'll just say it it was high up. It's very high up, and then if you have to go to the other side, no, 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 no. I I took pictures. I did it. Mm. Yeah, it, it's. It's something. Yeah, we'll, we'll reminisce about that. JD, where can the fine folks find your podcast and find your work, et cetera, et cetera? Um, of course, you can find uh, Locked on Sharks on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Locked on Sharks. Uh, very active on these socials. Um, yeah, we're one of the funny accounts, I will say. Um, and then, of course, you can find the show wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, all those places. Um, and then uh, YouTube as well, Locked on Sharks. You can find me on Twitter at my fryhole. Yeah. Yeah. Fun, fun times. <laughs> and then I also write at a, yeah, Fear the Fin at San Jose Hockey Now. So, yeah. Fun times. And say hi to my buddy Shang for me <laughs> next time you see him. I will. I talk to him all the time. So, yes. Yep. JD, thanks for coming on. Thanks, buddy. Well, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Once again, special thank you to J.D. Young from Locked on Sharks for joining on the program. It was a lot of fun. We actually went through a lot of topics on this one, including, you know, where the teams were going to end up in the division. So, yeah, that was a fun one. Once again, thanks for this special Labor Day weekend edition of Locked on Ducks. Crossover with Locked on Sharks. It was a ton of fun. If we want to check out Locked on Sharks, he told you where you could find his podcast. As for me... You could find me on Twitter at StimpyJD. And also, the show's Twitter is at LO underscore Ducks. And hey, don't forget, this podcast is free and available across all platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, etc., etc. If you want to email me, you can do so at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. Once again, thank you all for your continued support. It is greatly appreciated. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great Labor Day weekend. Please stay safe from this heat. Please continue to be kind to each other and ducks fly together. <laughs>